Good evening. It's great to be here, always. Uh, normally I come up and say how elated or how uh, overjoyed or how excited I am, but uh, I'm going to be totally honest with you guys, this, the, the flesh is definitely uh, not strong tonight, but it's okay. It's okay. We're going to do this. Uh, for the ones who've been here on a regular basis, uh, you probably remember that I've been uh, teaching from the book of Daniel, but tonight we're going to take a detour. We're going to go to <laughs> security. Tonight we're going to take a detour and go to uh, Psalms 118. Psalm 118. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and somebody will bring you one. Uh, so that's it. That's where we are. That's where we would be tonight. So, uh, um, <laughs> I must endure. Heavenly Father, we just again give you thanks, Father. We're thankful for your word before us. We thank you for our Christians and brothers, Christian sisters and brothers beside us. And we thank you for the love between us, Father. Uh, may you be glorified in all that we do. Thank you for that, that worship, Father, and just to uh, just to be able to smell that spiritual incense that's going up to you even now. So we give, uh, we give you thanks for all that you are. May you receive all that we have tonight. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Psalm 118. Um, the reason I was led there is because uh, even with Daniel, I, I really enjoyed where we were. We finished... Uh, chapter 9. It was about prayer and fasting. And uh, I thought with the upcoming season, and when I say I thought, it, it, this wasn't just Richard's idea of you know, what to do, where to go. Uh, I was led to go there and, and just think of the upcoming season and what we, some of us, most of us are going to be subjected to during this season of, that we call Thanksgiving uh, you know, uh, as Christians, we know that every day is Thanksgiving, every single day. Uh, and there's much to pray about. And with the times changing as they are, there's going to be even more to pray about. So as we dig into this, uh, just be mindful of when this was written and when we get to teach, we try and convey it into um, life application. So what we're going to do, we're going to try our best to, to, make, to allow you to see where we are here and now. Uh, well, that was then, you know, this was for a certain group of people, certain ethnicity, but not so is not, that's not the case. Um, and to hear the things that I get to hear about, well, I pray a lot, so there's really not much to pray about right now. And uh, I'm, I'm learning to be less, uh, less of a debater or less challenging people even less every day. Hear them out, and we don't have to agree, and I don't always have to say something. I can just hear your opinion and then just move on from there. But it's a process, and uh, sometimes it's not very easy. Uh, I'll just give you one example. It's sort of not... In, in what we, I had planned on mentioning, but somebody called me aside today uh, during service and said, 
I, know, I, I hear you're teaching Daniel. Yes, I am. So I just read and I see the clay in the, in the iron. And, the, and does that refer to transhumanism? And it's like, well, where'd you get that from? Well, I listened to this pastor. I don't know this person called Jack Hibb. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm from out of town, so I really don't know who that is. So it was very disturbing to me because he was taking that to be truthful because of who said it. And so too often I get to hear things like that. Well, Joe Foch said, yeah, okay, but you got to keep in mind that if you look closely, you'll realize that this is a human being. And the tendency is to give my opinion of what I think the scripture says. And it's not just that. It's just that some people, they believe it or disbelieve it depending on who said it. If this guy is a pastor of a mega church, then he's got to know his stuff, right? It's like, not necessarily. And, and if you were to get to, but pastor, you said, Yo, but you misunderstood what I meant. So we don't have an opportunity to do that. So we trust in them because of who they are. And I call that being respect of a person. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we can't be a respectable person. Uh, that's just part of the deal there. And so the point that I'm making is be careful. Be careful who you follow. You say, well, I, I don't want to believe this because he said it. I, don't, I will believe this because she said it. We have to be very, very careful about that. Let the scripture interpret scripture. And as we go into this, you know, we'll talk about examples of, of why Jesus is speaking to us through, the, through this. And, and we'll, go, we'll get started. Uh, Psalm 118, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And do we? Do we thank him? Do we thank him when you say there's nothing to pray about? And I'm looking at you and you're breathing. Uh, you know, that's pretty, uh, pretty important, you know, and, and how we take these things for granted. So especially with the younger people, there's nothing to pray about. I think about how many senses do you have? Five. Are they all intact? Well, yeah. Isn't that enough to pray about? And think about some of us who are relatively healthy you know, we get up and things are moving and knees are bending and all that kind of stuff, you know, and, and how we just take it for granted. We take the fact that we can just walk around with no air tanks, no braces, no crutches, no whatever. And, and it's way too often we take that for granted. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. His mercies endures forever. And the word of God says his mercies are new every morning. So when you wake up and you look at your pillar and there's mercy sprinkled all over your pillar, praise the Lord. He didn't have to do that. He could, you could have woke up and all of a sudden now I have no vision. I can't see. It's possible, but his mercies endures forever. He just keeps on blessing us over and over and over. And you ask yourself, do I deserve it? And, and you'll have to answer that for yourself. There were some say, well, of course I did. 
I'm a self-made person. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I deserve that. Do you deserve it? So I titled this tonight, Trust in the Lord, Not in Man. Trust in the Lord, not in man. And so often, especially with what we're going through now, again, I, I, it's just some of us, the ones of us who are on the front line, get a chance to hear so many things that are so far away from what God intended. And we won't go into details about that. Uh, we sort of did yesterday in the men's Bible study, but yeah, you guys you know, don't want to know. Not pretty. So... It's just that we're just so far from what God created us to be. And our minds, our thoughts, the way we live are so far from what God has for us. And I just pray that we would learn to rely on him for everything, no matter what it is. And with this upcoming season, where's the emphasis? Oh, we're going to have uh, three turkeys and stuffing and dressing and pies and cakes that seems to be the focus. You're going to be subjected to people, some that you want to be around, some that you don't. And we got to love them in spite of it. Uncle Joe, nobody wants Uncle Joe at their party, but he's going to be there and he's going to bring his stuff with him, you know. It's libations. And we have to love them through that. And it's, it's a challenge. So for those of us who are going to be around the ones that we want to be around, God bless you. But there's some of us who are going to be forced, coerced into being around people that we prefer not to be around. We got to love them through it. It's hard. It's a challenge. But we can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you mean that I'm, I'm going to be able to love this person? The answer is yes. What if he had given up on us? What if he had stopped praying for us? What if he had stopped encouraging us, providing for us? Where would we be today? And I, 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 there are people in this room I don't know, but I'm willing to say that you're here for a reason. You're able to recognize what he brought you from and what he brought you to. And there's a vast difference. You know, he brought me from a life of debauchery, life of alcohol, drugs, uh, fornication, and on and on and on. And there's no limit to what he will do to bring you to himself. No limit, and some of us can testify to that. So just keep praising him. Continue to give him thanks. Verse 2, uh, let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. But Lord, you just said that. Yeah, but I wasn't sure you got it. So I want to make sure I repeat it so you know that my mercy endures forever. It never ends. He never runs out. He never runs away. He never forgets. He never stops loving. He never stops seeking. He never stops encouraging. And this is, these are the things that we need to be mindful of. Verse 3, let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Lord, how, how many times do you have to say it? He knows what caused us to fall. He knows what caused us to rise. So his word is, my, my mercies endures forever. Gee, I wonder if it endures forever. Well, go back and read this and figure it out. He's saying it over and over again. Just like when he says, do not fear. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Why does he say that? 
because he knows that we're fear. We're going to fear. We're going to be afraid. We're going to get, be afraid of, of the things that are going on around us. So he has to keep reminding us. Verse 4, let those who fear the Lord now say his mercy endures forever. Now, we've only read four verses. How many times does it say his mercies endures forever? So when you begin to wonder if that is so, if that is the case, he makes it real clear here that we should understand. I want you to understand. I will be with you always. I will just continue to bless you over and over and over again. And he's shown that to everyone in this room and everyone that's within the sound of my voice. Everyone. No matter what, no matter where you were, who you were, what you've gone through, what you're going through, what you will be going through, he's there. Always going to be there. Verse 5. I call on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Now, I'll be honest with you. um, In verse um, 6, the Lord is on my side. And when I read that, I ask myself, would I rather have the Lord on my side or would I rather be on his side? And to me, because of who I am, where I am, I would rather be on his side because if he's coming over to where I am, he says he can't look upon sin. And I know that's not what it's saying, and he's talking to Israel but would you prefer to have him on your side or you on his side? And if I go to his side, I know that all is well with my soul. But if he's coming over to where I am, uh, it could get kind of ugly. But he will do that. He will meet you where you are. Don't misunderstand me. He will meet you where you are. And it could be in the mud, mire, but he will still meet you. He's not afraid to get his linen dirty if it means converting you or causing you to seek him in every way. He doesn't mind. He's willing to go to great lengths, and he has gone to great lengths. There are people in this room who didn't think uh, the Lord, uh, that they deserved his mercy. There are people in this room who didn't think they deserved his grace. But if we were to ask them tonight, they could tell you differently. There's some of you who know exactly what I'm talking about. There's some of you who have gone through major physical rehab, never thinking that you would walk again, never thinking that you would speak again, never thinking that you would be able to talk again. But God, and we know some of us, some of our sisters and brothers who've gone through these challenges, and the Lord brought them through it. And he will continue to do that. Verse 7. I'll go back to verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can man do to you? If the Lord is on your side, what can man do to you? He can't. can't. He can't touch you. He has to be given permission to touch you, just like Satan did with uh, Job. He has to be given permission. And, And we say, well, the enemy is really attacking me. Look deeper. We talked about this yesterday. We have 
met the enemy and the enemy is us. We need to look closely and see, am I allowing this, this attack? Am I allowing this distress to come upon me? Do I have anything to do or say about it? And the Lord has given us a defense against every attack of the enemy that is within us. Every defense. And we talked about also how Satan is challenging God by quoting scripture. Wait a minute. God wrote it and you're challenging him. On, you're telling him, reminding him what the word says. You know, and that's what we do. Sometimes we, we doubt him all the time. We doubt him because things aren't going our way. Lord, I've been praying for this. I've been praying for this over and over again. You have not delivered. Can you really say that? God has not given me what I wanted. There are times when you think that you better say praise God that he didn't. Some of us sitting in this room, the things that we prayed for. And if God had given us that, ooh, it would not have worked out very well at all. But he knew that. He has the advantage of knowing the beginning from the end. And he does that. You don't need this. You don't need this thing. And some of us like toys. I'm one. I like toys. If he had given me all the things that I wanted, more than likely I wouldn't be standing before you guys tonight. But he's wiser than me, which isn't saying a whole lot, but still, you know, and the fact that he knew, Richard, this would destroy you. Richard, this would cause you to elevate another God above me. And that's what he does for us. He tears down those small gods that we've created. And he has to. He has to because he loves us. And I've heard uh, last week, well, why would a loving God do these things? Why would a loving God take my grandmother because he's wiser. He's wise to know that grandmother has done, she's been about the Lord's work and she's done, she's, her mission is, has been carried out. She's fought the good fight. Uncle Joe has fought the good fight. It's time to bring him home. So the reason that God loves it, one of the things that we forget is that God is sovereign. So he gives because he loves us. And he takes because he loves us. You know, that doesn't make any sense. Because I don't look at love as taking away someone that I love. I don't look at love as not providing the things that pacify my flesh. I don't look at love as doing things that don't agree with what I want or what I want to do. I don't call that love. You don't love me if you don't give me what I want. And some of you probably hear that from your kids, your children. You don't love me. You don't love me because you won't buy me that latest video game. That latest video game is going to cause you to isolate yourself from the family a great uh, amount of time. So I'm not going to give you that. And so what we do is we have a tendency to to base love on what the world says it should be. And it can go even further than that. What is love? Love is when you're giving and I'm taking. 
When it goes the other way around, it's not love so much anymore now. And that's how we view it. That's how the world has, is conditioning us, has conditioned us, or will condition us to believe that. That's what love is. Verse 7, the Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire of those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Verse 8, and that, that verse uh, for me is very critical. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Everyone in this room has been disappointed by a person. Everyone in this room has been let down by a person. Everyone in this room probably has let someone else down. And we, we learn, well, okay, they've let me down nine times. Maybe the tenth time, maybe it'll be okay. And then we get disappointed again, so we lose confidence, we lose faith. But the tendency is to just go back and over and over and over again to trust in man, to trust in a person. And the Bible warns us about that. And not just here, but in many other places, I think, you know, of... Uh, well, I just say other places where he just encourages us to, to not do that. And it's, uh, it's, the tendency is to trust. We want to trust. We want to have people that we believe in. We want to have people who believe in us. And sometimes we get hurt. We get disappointed. More likely uh, that we do than not. Verse 9, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in, in princes. Princes. Life application. We don't want to go political. Let's talk about governors. Let's talk about senators. If you elect me, I'll do all these wonderful things. Oh, yeah, we got to get this guy in. Oh, he says our kids are going to go to college free. Oh, yeah, he's got my vote. He says as a single mom that he's going to provide uh, finances for me and my children. Oh, yeah, yeah check him off. He's, that's my man. And then we start to believe and then we start to trust in them. And then as time goes on, sometimes not a lot of time, we realize that it was just lip service. And now we're disappointed. But now we've already made a commitment to this person or those people or those systems. And now what do you do? What do you do? Verse 10 all nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surround me. Yes, they surround me. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You push me violently then that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song. And he has become my salvation. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Is the Lord your salvation? Where's your trust? Is your trust in him? Are you saved? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? Are you saved? Well, I think so. You got to know. You got to know, and, and the Word of God has given us a, a definite 
about what, is, what, it is to, what it means to be saved. So if you're wondering if you are, you shouldn't have to wonder. It should be a definite. Are you saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, washed in the blood. Verse 12, they surrounded me like bees. Again, we read that before, but it just keeps talking about the violent. They, you push me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and has become my salvation. Has become, present tense, has become my salvation. Is he your salvation? I asked the question, and I'm going to ask it again. Is he your salvation? And if it's not definitive, then this is an opportunity for prayer. This is an opportunity to know that he is your God, that he is your Lord, and he is your Savior. We have the opportunity of having people uh, create, create uh, a buffet-style decision here. Well, I want him to be my Lord, but I really don't want him to be my Savior. For, for, and for you who don't, don't understand what that means, there's a vast difference between the two. He's my Savior, but I don't want him to be my Lord. I want you to be that genie in the bottle to save me when I'm in distress. But I don't want to follow those rules. So just be my Savior, not my Lord. I would prefer that way because I want you to help me, but I don't want a commitment to you. I want you to to give me the things that I want to provide all my wants not my needs, my wants. I want you to provide that, but I don't want to pledge allegiance to you as my Lord and Savior. And there's, there's, a, there's a real danger in that. And there are people who really feel that way. I just, I want it one way. I want, I, I want buffet style. I just go and I pick one of these and one of these and I'm good. But it's very dangerous to, to have that. To even have those opportunities to do that. Verse 15, the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Do we understand what it means to be chastened? Do we understand the difference between when we use the word chastened and punished? Not the same. The Lord has chastened you. I would do this. And I'll put this in worldly terms. Your child is learning to ride the bicycle. Stay away from the street. So the child says, they don't know what they're talking about. They're old. So I'm going to ride in the street anyway. Okay, so you, you see them in the street. What do you do? Because I love you, I'm going to allow you to do that. I'm going to allow you to do what you want. Or there's going to be a little chastening going on. There has to be consequences to sin, every sin. And there is. There are consequences to every sin. The Lord said that's death. And I'm not saying that this is how you're going to apply this in real life. But there has to be because I love you, I want to protect you. I'm going to do something, even if it comes down to taking the bicycle away for a certain period of time. 
We have to react. And that's what the Lord does because he loves us. He loves us so much until he has to show us his love by chastening us. Not punishing. I don't want to punish you. I'm not angry. I'm not an angry God. Because of my love for you, I'm going to have to take some action to show you that I care for you. So that's when he chastens us. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how some of us just get this so messed up when we see this. The Lord has chastened me severely. He has not given me over to death. If he was punishing you, then death would be easier. Let's just take him out. Simple as that. But he chose not to. I'm going to chasten you, but not until death. And that's what he does. That's what he does with each and every one of us. Every one of us. No exceptions. So he just keeps on blessing us. Verse 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. Are we praising him? Are we being about our father's business? Or are we just trying to make our own way through life? I will go through them. Open to me the gates of righteousness and I will go through them. And I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. Will you be able to enter that with a pure heart? Will you be able to enter that gate of righteousness with a pure heart? These are questions that we, no exceptions, that we have to ask ourselves. Will we go through there? And, and when I say pure heart, that puts it on a different level. Because we can go through the motions. Are you a Christian? Of course I am. I go to church all the time. That's not the answer. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I can quote scripture. That's not the answer. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I love my parents. My parents love me. That's not the answer. Are you a Christian? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? This is a question that we have to answer. And for some of us, it's a daily thing. The, the, the song just says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. Guilty, folks. Guilty. In the environment that I'm in, it's minute by minute, day by day, that we have to seek his face. Because we, some of us, depending on where we are in life, we're surrounded by people who are bombarding us with the negativity of life. People who are bombarding us with how we should live. You Christians don't have any fun. You never do anything. You never go anywhere. All you do is read your Bibles and pray and stay home. You don't have any fun. Well, you know what? Maybe they're on to something. Maybe I should go and hang out with the guys or the girls once in a while just to see what it's like to have fun. And you find out there's a reason why you come to Christ. There's a reason why you had to have a lifestyle change. There's a reason why you had to have a heart transplant. Because you realize the sinfulness of some of these things that you're going to be subjected to. 
when you try and follow the crowd. If you hang around with those who are of the world, there's a good chance that they're going to have more impact on you than you will on them. Some of you know this already. You've tried it. Well, you know, I'm just hanging out with the guys. I'm not going to drink or carouse. Just going to hang out and have a good time, listen, not get any trouble. How's that working out for you? Have you done that lately? Have you thought that you were grounded enough to hang out with your worldly friends? Are you okay with the things that you tolerated before? Is, is this okay? Are you comfortable in that setting now? Ask yourself that. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. Verse 16. The right hand of the Lord does validly. I shall not die but live. I shall not die but live. What does it mean to live in this context? Well, living means living. Are you sure about that? Are you living are you just existing, going through the motions day by day, humdrum, just getting by? He says living, living, heartbeat. And when you're just existing, it doesn't require heartbeat. All you're doing is being like a lemming, just following along, just doing what everybody else does. And allowing them to convince you that you're content. Living. Fervent life. Fruitful life. Righteous life. That's what the Lord wants from us. Verse 21. I will praise you. For you have answered me. And have become my salvation. You have answered me. How do you know? When the Lord has answered you, some of the responses is, well, I have a peace about where I am. It goes beyond that. I can have peace, and I had peace when I was living among the scoffers, when I was living among the people who were very sinful. I had a peace because this is what my flesh wanted. My flesh was being pacified. So I had a peace. It's more than that. It's more than just having a peace. It's, it's knowing that the Lord is with you no matter what. And it's going to require you to count the cost. What does that mean, brother? It means that if you want to follow him, there's some, some things you're going to have to let go of. Well, I don't know. I don't. Re- I'm. I really. Uh, I really like this this area of sin that I'm in. So I'm just gonna wait. I'm still young. So I'll I'll just live the way I want, and then at some point, I'll make a commitment. I remember reading somewhere where it says, "No man knows the time." We all have an appointment with death. And it's not very specific. It doesn't say, you know, November 24th, 2022, or anything like that. So you're just assuming that you're going to get that time. 
no guarantees because a righteous God would not give you a date because you're not going to accept it. Two things that can happen. You're going to like what he tells you and you're going to want to speed it up. Or you're going to not like what he's telling you you want to slow it down. So you're not going to be content. Well, I think the date I'm going to take you out of here is going to be, you know, December 25th. How do you respond to that? Is that good or is that not good? There's a response either way. So he chose to just uh, say, you know, in a pointed time and allow you to live as if he's coming back tonight. That's the idea. That's what he wants from us. Live as if he's coming back tonight. He's on the way right now. And he is on the way. Look up. He's on the way. Do you believe that? In your heart of hearts, do you believe that Jesus is returning soon? Personal decision. But that's part of counting the cost. Know that you know that you know that you're saved. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Is Jesus the cornerstone of your life? If not Jesus, then what or who? Keep in mind that he will only allow us so much time to worship our self-generated, self-created idols. And then he has to tear them down. I will have no other God before me. Well, this one isn't that big a deal. It is a big deal. Because now there's something that you put over him. People that we've known in life who, who their, their home was the cornerstone of their life. That car thousand horsepower was a cornerstone of their life. That young man from high school, quarterback for the football team that I married, cornerstone of your life. The head cheerleader that I always wanted to be with, and I finally got her. That's the cornerstone of my life. My bank account, my IRA, my 401k, those are the cornerstones of my life. He would tear it down, every single one of them. He would tear it down, regardless. But that's not a big deal. Everybody does it. Does that make it okay? No, it does not. Everybody's doing it. You know, and when he talks about the love of money, and that seems to be ingrained in, I won't say all, oh, I won't make a general statement. That seems to be ingrained in a lot of us. Money, more is better. The more you got, the better off you are. And some of us know better than that. Some of us have gone through that. We've gone through having excess cash. And then when circumstances dictate that we got to back down, now we've learned to appreciate the fact that it wasn't all that great after all. And, uh, you know, I'm not uh, a music person, but 
There's a, a lyric from a song that says, more money, more problems. And uh, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, just uh, when you just think that this is a resolution, you know, now I got more money, I got more friends. Do you, Job? Not necessarily. There's always, always, always a downside to everything that we place above the Lord. Always. No exceptions, my friends. Everything that we do, everything that we say. What is the cornerstone of your life? Verse 23. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will, be jo- we will rejoice and be glad. And are we? Are we rejoicing? Are we glad in it? Are we thankful for what he's doing here and now? Are you thankful for what the Lord is doing in your life? Are you thankful for the fact that you know that great physician? Are you thankful for the fact that you were on your deathbed and there was no way you were going to recover? And he said, rise, my child, and walk. Rise, my child, and speak. Rise, my child, and see. Is that enough for you? Well, some of us, never enough. Because we want more signs and wonders. We want greater signs and wonders. Show us. Show me in no uncertain terms that you are God. And signs and wonders are never going to do it. Never going to do it. Because you're never going to be content. More more. I want brighter. I want faster. I want bigger. I want more colorful. Never going to be enough. Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Where, what is, again, what is that cornerstone in your life? What God have you placed above him? There's only one, one, count them, one high and lofty one. That is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you don't have a personal relation with him, you're missing out. And, uh, okay, you're missing out. <laughs> Let's leave it right there. Verse 25, save now I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifices with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Are you praising him? Everywhere, with anyone at any time, are you praising him? Or are you ashamed of the gospel at work? Are you ashamed of the gospel in your social setting? Are you ashamed of the gospel in this building or any building for that matter? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Dangerous. If you're afraid of me, if you're ashamed of me before man, You know the rest. Honor him no matter what. Verse 29, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. 
Well, how many times do you have to say it, Lord? How many times does he have to say it to reach you, to get you to understand how serious he is about that? How many times do you have to say it to, let, to cause you to understand how serious he is about that? His mercy endures forever. Forever. How many years is that? I don't know. I'm not a math major. But I know it's a long time. I know I can translate that in my heart to eternity. Now, someone passed some information on to me. I just want to share it, and then we're going to close. Well, I'm doing a a McCormick tonight, you know? Man, oh, man. I mean, (laughs) normally I like to go the distance, but uh, I just want to share you what this person shared with me tonight. He's speaking of uh, Psalm 118, uh, and uh, according to this note, it is... Psalm 118 is the middle of the Bible. Psalm 117 is the shortest psalm. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm. Again, there are 594 chapters from Psalm 118 and 594 chapters from Psalm 118 to the last verse in Revelation. For a total of 1,188 chapters, the psalms are uh, counted as chapters. And the King James Version claims that Psalm 118, verse 8, is the middle passage of the Bible. Now, I've been reading the Bible for, what time is it? Uh, Three weeks now. And uh, I didn't know that. So I learned something, which... And God uses numbers. The number six is the number of man. The number seven is the number of perfection. And the number eight is the number of eternity. And again, verse eight says, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. True, my friends. And I can tell you for a fact that it's not just words. For me, personally, it's not just words. I have. I grew up in an environment that was well beyond me. All my life. I spent all my life in corporate. And I can tell you many, many, many tales of woe. I can tell you many, many families that have fallen apart because of the love of money. I can tell you of a, a, a young man that, that walked away from the Lord for seven years because he had all the trappings of the world. And that's what really mattered. I can tell you that this young man suffered emotional, physical, psychological, spiritual scars as a result of that. I can tell you these things. This is not what I read. This is not what I heard. This is what I experienced. And so all I'm saying to you is if you don't have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, let tonight be the night of salvation. There's no guarantee of any of us, any of you, seeing tomorrow. And it would just be so heartbreaking 
to have him say, her I know, him I know, but who are you? Heartbreaking. It would be better to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in. Father, we just give you thanks for what you've allowed us to hear tonight. And we pray, Father, that uh, your word would be, was rightly divided. And if there's anything that I have said tonight through my flesh that might have caused my sister or brother to stumble, I pray that you would delete it from my minds even now. So I thank you again for being such a wise God to know what we need, why we need it, when we need it. So again, Father, I just encourage my sisters and brothers to seek you, Father, in everything, to never take anything for granted, Father. You're such a loving God. You continue to bless us in spite of ourselves. And I know that so many of us struggle with so many different things. But you're aware of each and every one of us, Father, what it is that causes us to rise, what it causes us to fall down. And you minister to us accordingly. So I pray for traveling mercies for my sisters and brothers as we go out tonight, Father, that you would get us home safely if it be your will. And I just pray for the same God that's here with us now that would be waiting, uh, be with us along the roadway and waiting for us when we arrive at home. So again, we pray that as we rise again tomorrow morning, if it be your will, that our pillows will be flooded with new mercies, Father. And that you would just set a path before us that we can follow, knowing that we're headed in the right direction in life. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you again for whose we are. May you receive the glory of our words and our deeds throughout this day. And forevermore, in the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys.